gold, uh, a physical gold industry. You know, it's, it's a great market and it's pretty handy. Uh, either you go to uh, the bank like Hang Seng or you go to uh, uh, companies like us or more to the retail clients. There's, there's a lot of ways to buy physical gold in Hong Kong. And again, we're very fortunate on this behalf. And the other side, if you look at it from a, as a professional investment and you're looking for a, a storage facilities, insured storage facilities, then again, Hong Kong has great infrastructure to do that. So what we tell clients is, and you're right, first, if you're looking at the long strategic holding, it's better to hold the physical, just safer, and you have ownership in the asset rather than uh, a legal right in a, in a trust, in a unit yeah. trust like the ETF. And you have now enough infrastructure in Hong Kong and in other countries to buy it from a recognized dealer, and there are a few of them in Hong Kong, store it, and there again, there are quite a few uh, storage facilities, private storage facilities, private safe deposit facilities, and keep your gold there away from your financial assets because at the end of the day, if the view is of gold as, again, as a strategic safe asset, it's better to hold it separate from one's financial holdings. So mm -hmm. not in a bank or not, you know, or, or not in a, as part of your portfolio. Okay, Joshua, thanks very much for coming in this morning. That's Joshua Rothbart, Managing Partner at J. Rothbart & Co. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And gold right now is trading at $1,778 an ounce, up a little bit on the New York close. Brent crude oil is at $47.79 a barrel. Around Asian stock markets, the ASX 200 in Australia up a quarter of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up about three quarters of a percent. The Cosby and South Korea is surging ahead, up about 1.1% now. And looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 30 or 40 points or so at the open later on this morning. Thanks very much for listening. Do stay tuned for Back Chats with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. A quick update on the weather forecast, fine and dry. Cool in the morning, maximum temperature is going to be about 23 degrees. And the outlook is for it to remain cool in the morning and at night for the rest of this week. The temperature right now, 18 degrees, 71% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. Former Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Jones says if the government wants to force care home staff to take regular COVID-19 tests, they need to provide more support. He criticised officials for suggesting they didn't trust nurses in care homes to administer the tests. The government is expected to announce mandatory testing for care home staff, possibly subsidising them $200 a month to cover their transport costs to testing centres. But Mr Jones said staff should be subsidised to take tests at private clinics so they wouldn't need to queue at community community centres where they would be at risk of infection from other people waiting. We should make it convenient for care home workers to go through the testing instead of asking them to simply go to the community centres and queue up with the rest of the public. We should give them subsidies to allow them to go to private testing centres or we should send health personnel to these care homes directly to make the testing more feasible and convenient. We should be reminded that at least half of these homes would have a nurse on staff. And these nurses are certainly more than well equipped to conduct these testing. 
The government has announced tougher social distancing measures from tomorrow following a run of high COVID-19 case numbers, many linked to a dance studio cluster. Only two people will be allowed to gather in public once again. Restaurants are to stay open, but they must close by 10 p.m. Swimming pools and entertainment venues will shut, but gyms, massage and beauty salons can stay open. Yesterday, there were 76 cases down from 114 on Sunday, but health authorities said a one-day dip didn't mean much. A second U.S. company, Moderna, says it'll apply today for emergency use approval for its coronavirus vaccine in the United States and Europe. Moderna said it expected to have enough doses to vaccinate 10 million people in the U.S. by the end of the year. Pfizer have already applied and hopes to secure U.S. regulatory approval by mid-December. The U.S. Health Secretary, Alex Azar, told CBS News it was possible two vaccines would be available within weeks. With Pfizer, we at the FDA announced an advisory committee for December the 10th. And if everything is on track, everything proves out what uh, what it appears to be, we could be looking at approval within days after that. Moderna is basically one week behind that. And General Perna has said from Operation Warp Speed that we'll ship within 24 hours of FDA authorization. So uh, we could be seeing both of these vaccines out and getting uh, into people's arms uh, before Christmas. Turkey is taking tougher measures to tackle the coronavirus, with daily cases officially hovering around the 30,000 mark. Doctors have said the real rate could be nearly twice that. Here's the BBC's Ola Geren. There will now be a curfew on weeknights from 9pm until 5am and a complete lockdown at weekends. Funerals and weddings will be limited to 30 people and President Erdogan has urged Turks to stop visiting each other at home. The new measures he has announced will limit daily life but are unlikely to satisfy critics who throughout this crisis have accused him of doing too little too late. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today. Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking first about the end of Democrats in LegCo. Pan-democratic lawmakers had their last day yesterday when they resigned en masse to protest against the disqualification of four of their colleagues, leaving the legislature without an opposition for the first time since the nascent days of the Hong Kong SAR. What difference will it make to the legislative process? Is there any check or balance now on the executive? Is there any accountability. Would you vote for the pandems at the next election if there is another election? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us bankchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our telephone number is 233-88266 And after 9.15 we're going to be talking about the government's latest measures to control the spread of the virus including working from home arrangements for civil servants and uh, Rachel Cartland will be back joining us uh, for that discussion as I say that's after about uh, 9.20 uh, this morning. Joining us for our first topic and now talking about uh, the departure of the pandems from uh, LegCo, uh, we have with us uh, Fernando Chung, former Labour Party lawmaker, Kwok Kaki, Dr Kwok, former Civic Party lawmaker and Alan Lung who's the governor of the Path of Democracy once again back chat at rthk.hk is our email address uh, let's maybe start off with a with a, an email um, uh, Herman says now those pandems 
are finally leaving. Uh, the Maoists, no doubt, will be out in force, loudly proclaiming this is the final nail in the local democracy coffin, while overlooking the fact that a major de- democratic country in Europe is about to make doxing the police a crime, I think that's in reference to France, or mindlessly defending a country whose combat troops committed heinous war crimes, yet got off with a slap on the wrist that has systematically discriminated against its native people for decades, I think that's about the treatment of uh, Aboriginal people in Australia, uh, imposed authoritarian lockdowns worthy of East Germany in one of its states, and whose government includes politicians so racist they could make the... the the nearly said Kwakarki. I'm sorry, the Ku Klux Klan blush uh, because it is a democracy. That is from Herman. Sorry for uh, mangling that. Uh, uh, okay, let's go perhaps to uh, Kwakarki, uh, former Civil Party lawmaker. Good morning to you, Dr. Kwak. Good morning, you. Sorry yeah, for yeah. messing Never that mind, up. Never Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was a joke for oh, me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. How are you? How many? How long have you been in Lejko, and how are you feeling now about leaving it? Uh, I started to uh, to be a legislator in 2004, so I omit one term uh, 08, so altogether 12 years. Mm. And the sentiment is now is is really the end of democracy or the end of the one country two system because, you know, the foundation of SAR in Hong Kong, that Hong Kong is being treated as a financial center, a financial hub, not only in Asia but over the world, uh, was actually the joint declaration and also the basic law. And that uh, very clearly stated uh, the one country, two system, or the original system. Now, um, we put down a lot of controversy over last year. Uh, that was something, of course, it's a wood of the problem. But anyway, uh, if we cons- concerning about the future of Hong Kong, there must be a system which can work on. And that depends on a very important principle is the separation of powers. Uh, although the CE or the government is not being elected uh, in Hong Kong by popular vote, but that remains a very important uh, force in Hong Kong is the Legislative Council, who, uh, in which they are actually monitoring the, the performance uh, in many ways, including the budget. Uh, also the uh, all the uh, policy areas in Hong Kong. So we have uh, several new situations in Hong Kong, namely uh, the disqualification of the candidate and the disqualification of the uh, legislator. Secondly is the introduction of the national security bills. And last but not least is the use of the uh, many... Um, power by the police and also the uh, Justice Department on the legislature by using the PMP, the, uh, the Power and Privilege Ordinance of the electrical. So if you look into the situation, there has been a major change that in the past, uh, the government or the Beijing still respect the role of the electrical or the role of the legislature, uh, namely the Democratic legislature in Hong Kong, playing a very important role uh, not only to monitor the government, but to demonstrate to the West of the world is Hong Kong is still running a system which has been worked uh, according to some principle like the uh, uh, Human Rights con- uh, Declaration and International Convention on the, on the Civil and Political uh, Rights, something like that. So that remains a very important uh, mark for Hong Kong that we will observe respect the rule of the game 
that if you are in Hong Kong, uh, you are protected in whatever ways. Your investment, your rights to expression, the right of uh, press. Uh, so that is very important. But it comes to this very day that all these very important or fundamental um, uh, rights of Hong Kong has been taken away. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. marks the end. Very much. Yeah, All yeah, right, KK, if, if, we, if you think back to 2004, I think the Legislative Council then uh, was more civilized and um, uh, the council itself, they respect different voices. Um, and to a certain extent, uh, you can be a chair of a committee and then um, the pro-establishment can be the next chair. But um, since when, um, you know, did um, the, the council and the rules and procedures and perhaps even the chief executive, they, they sort of um, uh, got a bit impatient and they, they just didn't respect um, opposition voices in, in Electrico anymore? If, we want, if I want to trace back, I think the 2012 is very, it's a mark uh, in Hong Kong because by that year, if you remember, there was uh, when... The chairman C, even before he came to the position, he stated clearly it's not the separation of powers, but the cooperation of powers. You know, the, all the administration, the judiciary and the law, that, that is nature, nature, join and support it, uh, you know, the administration or the government. That marks the opening. And of course, we, we all know about the Ambed movement 2014. Uh, to say that is the dividing line uh, is not because of the umbrella movement, but something before the umbrella movement is the constitutional reform package, which literally taken away the rights of the people of Hong Kong to elect uh, by proper election the chief executive and uh, consequentially the electoral. And that's must the opening. And uh, once the Pandora box has been opened, <laughs> You know, there's a sequential of changes, uh, like, you know, the... Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let, let, let me, it, 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 stop you there, because it didn't take away the right to, to do that, because that right was never there. It was trying to establish a mechanism for, for, for voting for the, um, for, for the chief executive. I mean, what was wrong then was, I mean, the, what you had a mismatch then was surely was the expectation. People thought that they w would be able to... Uh, vote for the chief executive in in that mm -hmm. manner, and and that didn't come to pass. Mm -hmm. So that's that was that was the real problem, the expectation that that this was never the reality. But people got ahead of themselves. People thought that Hong Kong was going to be a democracy like other democracies, and that was never the idea. Uh, um, if you look back on the basic law, it was stated clearly that uh, as early as 07 and 08, we would have the first public election. That means 10 years after the uh, handover, we could have the first uh, public election. Now, of course, you, you can argue that uh, there's a mechanism which was not being stated clearly, like the nomination and the, the way, you know, people being uh, elected. But, you know, the expectation of Hong Kong, of the people of Hong Kong, was you know we we are has been waiting uh, for this public ele election or international suffrage since '97. So by the year 2014, that was already we passed uh, 17 years uh, since the uh, handover. So people had a lot of expectation. I think it's quite natural because 
in Hong Kong, although we don't have a kind of real democracy, but the people still believe that we are moving on. We are moving towards a open society which respects uh, all the basic principles, the rule of law, the separation of powers, uh, check and balance. But that has been really, you know, evaporated. But isn't it, it, couldn't you argue that it's because we had a funny situation in Hong Kong? I mean, even before 1997, we did not have a representative government and we didn't really have, no one ever said that we would have a a government that would be representative in in the way that, you know, governments governments in other places are are, are representative. But we did have a lot of kind of, we have a very buoyant uh, civil society. Uh, We have uh, uh, free press. Uh, We have lots of institutions and and the judiciary is is truly independent and so on. We have lots of kind of the the, the trappings of democracy and a democratic and open and liberal way of life, but without without the representative government. And maybe that created a tension and maybe that led to expectations that we would get to vote in the way that Americans can vote for a president. But that was never the intention. And really, we're just learning that now. <laughs> but, but we have been, you know, we have been in that experiment since 1985. You know, the first uh, uh, election of electoral in 85. And since then, of course, you can argue that there was actually a functional constituency people not never given chance of the so-called proper election. But if you uh, consider the development in Hong Kong as a financial center, financial hub, we had all, with the educational level where people had the experience, and, you know, the, the actual expectation of people that we will move forward is, you know, is, is widely acceptable. Yes, you, you can argue that we have the freedom, but we don't have democracy. But since we have the freedom, we want to, you know, have a mechanism or system to protect the freedom. And 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 if we if we trust the people of Hong Kong, even if you have democracy, people in Hong Kong, majority of them stay still like to remain status quo, meaning that you know uh, they would never, you know, really wanting a system very chaotic. People just want, you know, we want to check and balance. We want to have a say. Uh, we have people in electrical representing the majority of the will, and that is very important. But since uh, two, twelve, a lot of happening in Hong Kong, like the uh, national uh, patriotic education, uh, and then come the constitutional reform, and subsequently there's a lot of changes in Hong Kong, like execution bills. There's a mark, very important mark. But you know, Hong Kong is being quite a passive position over the years. You know, we, we, we really cannot, you know, actively promote, you know, kind of democracy. We waited uh, and waited for people in Beijing to allow us to move on. And we, we had never been able to really worry radical on this regard. You know, of course, we can veto the package but we can't create a package. Yeah. Okay, well, Dr. Kwok, many thanks for, for joining us. Uh, Dr. Kwok Karki, there, former Civic Party lawmaker, and uh, I know he's got to go. Uh, Fernando Chan, good morning to you. Good morning. Good day, and thank you yeah. for, for, for joining us now. If I may yeah, just, go on. Um, um, say something about your comments that uh, we've been um, uh, going ahead of ourselves, that we expected um, universal suffrage or de- true democracy in Hong Kong as being perhaps... Um, you know, be uh, really fantasizing uh, that uh, we're expecting 
Chinese regime. I, I cannot agree to that statement because um, it's really written in the basic law. And back in 2004, when I entered LegCo together with KK Kwok, um, we were promised by the central government that uh, Hong Kong could have universal suffrage by 2007. Uh, for uh, election of chief executive and 2008 for election of the entire legislative members. And in Article 45, it says uh, in black and white, the ultimate aim is the selection uh, of the chief executive by universal suffrage. And in Article Upon nomination, blah, blah, blah. I mean... Yeah, you know. exactly. So, um, you know, wh- why would you um, suggest that we are getting ahead of ourselves? It's all written in black and white promise to the Hong Kong people. It is um, that these uh, words are being retracted or that these promises are not being honored. So that's where the problem lies. It's it's not that uh, we are expecting too much from those who are governing us. Yeah, so uh, I just want to make it uh, clear. All right. What what happens now? I mean, for a start, do you think there will be uh, another open election where pandems can stand? Well, um, I think we have to wait and see. Nobody can tell even if there's going to be an election, right, in next year. Um, One thing, yes, of course, nobody uh, controls the pandemic, but uh, everybody knows that uh, pandemic is by and large, an excuse. Uh, we could have had the election back in September uh, if we were to make proper arrangements uh, for social distancing and uh, make sure that we have uh, sufficient uh, voting uh, stations in, uh, throughout the territory. We, it can be conducted. But uh, I think more importantly, it is whether the regime consider that they could win in the election, if they uh, cannot have the confidence of controlling that, um, they might defer it even further. But uh, coming back to your question as to what we should do, I think it, it really, uh, uh, we cannot rule out anything. I think we should not rule out that Democratic candidates should come back in the next election. Um, if the election what if they're disqualified? What if they're not allowed to stand? I mean, no civic party legislator was allowed to stand for the for the last planned election. Um, well, that who are you going to get? Well, happen. Yes, that could very well happen. And if that is to happen, then it would be for the world to see, for the rest of the Hong Kong people to see how this regime is really honouring their promises. Uh, if they would blatantly. Uh, simply like what they did before, uh, and of course uh, that is more than likely that will happen, um, it makes it clear that the election itself would be completely useless. Then by then, we could uh, perhaps uh, call for a massive boycott. We could uh, all cast a, a, a void ballot uh, in a way to protest the um, invalidity of the election. So I think we should be fluid, like be water, right? We, we should not rule out anything. It is now up to those who are in power to demonstrate to us what exactly they have in mind. 
are they allowing true democracy in Hong Kong? Um, Fernando, I, I think if we would like to see change, I think both sides need to um, to have dialogues. But you know, we can all see that um, there are no no longer dialogues. Um, since when did this happen? I remember that um, you know in Donald Zhang's days. Um, at least, um, uh, you know, that government uh, was um, uh, respectful of uh, dissenting voices. And then um, perhaps in the, in the early um, 2012, um, you know, things weren't that bad, and, but that then got worse and worse um, uh, to, to the point that um, uh, while um, the central government and the local government becomes more intolerant, um, then the pan-democratic camp also changed uh, to more radicals and in particular um, the younger legislators. Um, they, they, they probably think differently than you and, you know, we have um, a lot of um, bodily contact in Let's Go these days. Um, you know, I think, I think both sides need, need to um, uh, think about new ways of dialogues or do you see this not happening? Well, at this point, while the regime, the administration, is still making uh, totally senseless arrests, like, for example, arresting me for uh, standing in front of um, Starry Lee, uh, chanting slogans, right? Um, these sort of measures and behaviors are demonstrating that they are not ready for dialogue. They are ready to make more uh, suppressive measures. Uh, they, they're not interested in dialoguing. They're putting us in jail. What do you mean dialoguing? Right? So uh, we are the vulnerables. We are the ones that without power. Those who are in power are exercising their power to the extreme. And do you call this a time for dialogue? So it is now all up to them. We, we, we all leave in protest. And now whatever happens, there's no one else to blame. Um, they are in complete control. Nobody is even trying to criticize them at the uh, legislature now. Uh, they do whatever they want. So uh, the rest of us uh, should observe and look at what's going to happen. But up to now, I don't see any chance of dialoguing if they continue to uh, make these suppressive measures. You also had the, that decision, that statement by the uh, chief executive that the government would not pursue the the plan that she had put forward in, in her in her manifesto to uh, extend the prevention of bribery ordinance to include the chief executive. She said she'd do that. She now said she doesn't uh, in the light of clarification of the role of the chief executive uh, from Beijing. What, what are the implications of, of, of that, do you think? I mean, uh, it, it, does that mean there is basically kind of no accountability for towards the chief executive? Nobody in Hong Kong can hold the chief executive accountable in any way? Well, I think that's what she wants, right? They, that's the picture. That's the image of perception they want to um, the public, that they want the public to receive somehow the chief executive is above it all. Uh, she is um, an executive lab framework, which means that uh, she could be um, um, standing in above uh, even the judicial system, certainly the legislature, 
and she's in command of the executive. Um, and that's something that she wants to plant in people's heads. Uh, that's dictatorship, right? Unchecked power. Um, and that reflects what Beijing was. That's unchecked power. Um, but in reality, uh, this is not being written in the basic law. This is certainly not our uh, rule of law. Um, but uh, now that they do whatever they want uh, without paying the least expect to basic law anyway, right? They can bypass the Hong Kong legislature by enacting the national security law uh, to Hong Kong, not to even uh, make public of the content of law until it is already in effect. I mean, how disrespectful can you get uh, of using that sort of draconian uh, power uh, upon the Hong Kong people? So, you know, they, they can proclaim whatever they want. Okay. Well, well uh, Fernando Chang, thanks for joining us. Alan Long is, is on the line, but um, we're going to give him a good run. <laughs> Sorry, after the news at uh, 9 o'clock. We haven't had uh, time before. Uh, uh, for the moment, Fernando Chang, former Labour Party lawmaker, thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us. A quick email from Peter who says, as for the pandems, it's not them turning their backs on LegCo, it's rather Hong Kong people turning their backs on them and their antics. Look at their performance the past 20 years. They've not presented a single constructive proposal or piece of legislation. It's obvious the pandems were never interested in Hong Kong people's livelihood issues, how to make Hong Kong a better place, nor would they even acknowledge that Hong Kong also has obligations under one country, two systems and the basic law. The pandems have become a narrow interest group of self-appointed virtue-signalling ideologues, many of which sitting in LegCo since decades. That is uh, from Peter. Uh, Backchat.rthk.hk is our email address. We'll get to uh, quite a few interesting emails. We'll get to, uh, as I say, after the news at nine, as well as uh, Alan Lung from the uh, Path of Democracy to talk more on the uh, issue of the departure of the pandems from LegCo. The weather fine and dry today. Cool this morning with temperatures up to about 23 degrees during the day. Moderate to fresh northeasterly winds and the outlook cool in the morning and at night for the rest of the week. 18 degrees at the moment and the relative humidity is now at 68 percent you're listening to the news on rthk Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We are talking uh, first this morning. Our, our main topic is about the uh, pan-democratic camp leaving uh, LegCo uh, en masse. What are the uh, implications uh, uh, for this, for uh, the legislative process and uh, for Hong Kong, for the accountability? Uh, we were talking in the first part of the programme to Fernando Chung and uh, Kwok Kaki. Uh, joining us now is uh, Alan Lung, Governor of the path of democracy. Later, we're going to be talking also about uh, latest uh, COVID measures, uh, uh, especially focusing on the uh, civil service with the work from home arrangements there. Okay, a lot of emails. Thank you very much indeed. A lot of interesting uh, emails. This is a, a, a big topic we're talking about well, when we're talking about uh, the political landscape uh, of Hong Kong. Um, here we go. Okay, DY in an email says, I must say it's amazing that anti government lawmakers are finally willing to give up their comfy jobs at LegCo. 
I note that some of them, such as Lamchuk Ting, have begun to engage in online crowdfunding when he had not yet formally resigned. These are the quick-witted ones, but the quick wit is reserved for antics to grab money. Some attached a crowdfunding link to their resignation speeches on social platforms before even handing in their actual resignation letter. Let's see how they can live on that to finance their lifestyles we poor taxpayers have been funding for their efforts to destroy Hong Kong. Ching says, interesting how RTHK's news items broadcast long rants from the opposition legislators who have resigned, along with dramatic canned music. Yet the report is hugely unbalanced in that RTHK did not bother to interview anyone who held a different view and who welcomed their departures. Some of these opposition politicians have been in LegCo for decades with nothing to show for it, not able to negotiate with the SEL government or Beijing for a win-win situation, not able to come up with any well-formulated plan or shadow policy address as the opposition camps would normally do, as they have, they've intended all along to use LegCo only as a China-demonising platform in order to sabotage the one country, two systems. In recent years, we've seen countless scenes of these useless legislators grandstanding in LegCo, standing in front of protesters or even clearly rioting mobs in the streets to protect them and yet they were afraid to engage in any serious protest action as they were careful not to incriminate themselves. Others can go to jail for their cause, just not themselves. That is from Ching. Uh, TC uh, has a different uh, take. This is on back, oh, this is on Facebook. TC says, the questions uh, you pose in the opening to the programme are made on a premise that these things were happening before the uh, previous term of LegCo that expired on the 30th September 2020. That includes things like some accountability. Uh, TC says, did the non-establishments in LegCo have any effective way to check or scrutinise the government's proposed amendment in the Fugitive Offenders Ordinance in the spring of 2019? It only stopped because of the confrontations outside LegCo on the 12th of June. If there's another LegCo election, I prefer progressive pan-democrats. The biggest problem I've for traditional pan-democrats, like the Democratic Party, the Civic Party, is that they've been in the system for so long they've become another form of establishment. Once they're in, they only think about their seats and forgot why the people elected them. Look at some of the positions of the traditional pan-democrats over the years, uh, supporting the listing of the link, supporting the 2010 constitutional reform package, voting to support the amending LegCo's uh, ROP to allow committee chairpersons to kick members out, uh, rules of procedure, that is. Uh, not only did the traditional pan-democrats do very little in pushing for democratisation, they've actually hindered the people who want to move it forward. I thank people like Wang Yuk Man for telling everyone that the emperor is wearing no clothes. But most importantly, I won't vote for anyone who decided to accept the MPCSE's appointment of LegCo after 30th of September. Matthew says, did we really just hear the listener Herman open the programme with a wannabe wolf warrior message, attempting to insult people who prefer democracy over authoritarianism by labelling them Maoists? That's taking the topsy-turvy art of whataboutism to a new and dangerous level, which will surely hurt feelings and maybe even cross the shifting red line of the national security law. I wonder if the CCP would ever get to a stage of development where it has the confidence to conduct an open, independent inquiry into things like war crimes. They are scared to even have a legitimate inquiry into the Yunlong incident, or to let the world know the body count on their side in the recent Chinese-Indian Burma squirmish. Instead, we get bullying, bluster and increasingly bizarre dystopian double talk. It's funny, but it's not. Uh... Andrew Kay says, tell Fernando that the world is not watching what is going on in Hong Kong. It never was. 
Linda P says, uh, every day I feel more and more angry and bitter about these violent and mindless rioters in Hong Kong last year. If we look at what's happening in Hong Kong now and what everyone is saying, the end of democracy, they have only themselves to blame. Did they really expect China to stand by and allow such acts? Basically, they are the ones who brought the situation ahead by 20-odd years. Hong Kong is China. One country, two systems was working, and the rioters are the ones who brought about the biggest negative change for the Hong Kong people. If China had seen that the system in Hong Kong was working well, we would have had another 20 years or so to prove that it was a workable solution. And they may even have allowed Hong Kong to continue with this arrangement. Uh, Miss, uh, let's see. Uh, H says, during the policy speech, the behaviour protocol for LegCo was set. From now on, the legislators will not need to scrutinise anything and instead attend, have a choice of looking at their phones, order food and, of course, have a snooze when a bill is proposed. At the end, they will support and go out of their way to support whatever is proposed and, in addition, profusely praise the proposer. Well, they will be paid hugely with taxpayers' money. After all, they are there to represent and argue for the, rent, for the interests of the Hong Kong people. Uh, MT says the end of One Country, Two Systems began when the pandems refused to cooperate with the government side. For One Country, Two Systems to work requires cooperation and compromise, something that the pandems have never demonstrated and continue to fail to understand. It has always been the pandem way or no way, a very immature and blinkered uh, approach. Uh, thoughts from our listeners. Thank you very much indeed. Back chat at rthk.hk. Uh, let me just, uh, okay, we just had a, a few more. Let's see if I can just uh, squeeze them in. Uh, uh, James says, I almost cried listening to the interview with James Toe on Newswrap last night as he packed up his office. As a young reporter here 25 years ago, he would always return my phone calls. Not not something many pro-Beijing politicians did at the time. He was a dedicated and intelligent member and chairman of the LegCo panel on security. It's a great shame that these dedicated elected Hong Kongers no longer serve their constituents. LegCo would only benefit from that wealth of experience and the scrutiny of bills that are now being pushed through, now more than ever. Yes, it was his choice to leave LegCo, and I believe he did so because he's a person of principle. Let's hope that those remaining in LegCo realise and respect their responsibility to the uh, community. Uh, Sam says, Dear Backchat, bye-bye then, Pandems. You just shot yourselves in the foot. Kwakwa uh, Ki and Fernando Chung, can you list out your score sheets, what you've done for the people of Hong Kong? Were you able to solve the housing issue for the have-nots, moot a universal pension scheme for the elderly, done anything worthwhile? The only thing done was to provide employment for the contractors for being connected with and or concerned with the destruction of people and property in Hong Kong, uh, including LegCo. Uh, the destroyed restaurants are renovated. Just enjoy your farewell meal and get your one-way ticket and fade away. Yet again, COVID has put in a spoke, but there is room for Kwok Ki and Fernando Chong double to bid farewell. Uh, and uh, G says, uh, it's a fact that many people who criticise the pandems for doing nothing but oppose have never read the provision of the basic law which severely limits the powers of legislators to propose legislative measures and to amend them, essentially limiting them only to veto measures. That comes from G. Thank you very much indeed. Ada. Um, yes, with us is Alan Long, Governor, Path of Democracy. Good, good morning, Alan. Thank morning. you for patiently waiting. What, what do you make of this? Um, do you actually welcome the departure of all the pandemocrats in LegCo? And um, would it make a big difference to the legislative process? Will we still have check and balance? I, I, I'd like to make a couple of points 
first. We, we, we keep saying that they are the opposition members of the LegCo, but in reality, they are not the real opposition uh, parliamentary democracy uh, usually uh, offers. As in Singapore, the Workers' Party with 10 legislators against the PAP, uh, PAP's 83 has become a real, real, real opposition uh, uh, group. Uh, Labour government in UK can become a government. That is, in the Western democracy, the real, real sense of opposition. Perhaps it's a fault of the basic law that, uh, you know, the way the system is designed, that uh, they cannot form government. And therefore, did they behave in a way they, they are they are they are they are a, an election machinery? So you know, is it their fault, or partly their fault, or part partly the fault of the basic law? It's a system that we haven't thought of, thought of. And of course, the basic law has a lot of problems. I've been watching it for thirty years, and from the uh, before the uh, the uh, uh, the basic law was promulgated from eighty nine. I've been a, and I am not really. I, I don't think of myself as a politician, but more more or less as a political observer. So that's one point. It's designed in in such a way that they cannot form a government. The second point, you know, I like to disagree with uh, Kokaki, who's I I assume he's not on the phone now. That uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, chief executive of the election we gave up. There, there is a guy called Richard Bush, Bush uh, former uh, debate uh, consul general of Taiwan, who wrote clearly in articles, a series of articles in, in Brookings that Hong Kong gave up something that they will not, that is not likely to return. I mean, uh, to, to answer uh, uh, your question, I, I think that it's not a good situation that they, they that they resigned. It simply makes the situation more difficult, the development more difficult. Maybe one 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 side is more entrenched, and the other side got more entrenched. So we, we you know, I, I agree with a lot of things they said. We don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you that, uh, you know, we 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 have a leader called called. Uh, uh, Ronnie Tong, who came back from Mexico one day looking deeply worried. And, you know, he didn't say, you know, of course, he didn't disclose what's, what was discussed in, in LegCo, but it, it gave the impression to us that he's quite worried that it's not just the end of this LegCo arrangement. Hong Kong is at risk of losing one country to system, which we're trying desperately trying to defend. You know, we, before we even get to more election, free liberal election. So this is the situation, and I think uh, that whether the Democrats or the uh, the pro-establishment Lesco members uh, who are still in Lesco, I think they must think of some way, some mechanism, some way of working together with not just themselves, but with Beijing government, Hong Kong SAR government, with the rest of Hong Kong people, that come up with a scheme. You know, I, I emphasize the word scheme. It has to be a scheme. People have to scheme to make things work, to offer some hope to Hong Kong people that we're not into this downward spiral, that we're on a, on a path of, of an up, upward spiral. And uh, this is my take. 
How, how could we defend one country, two systems um, right now? Uh, one, one country system is written in the basic law. I do not think it's in, in intention, at least that's my understanding, that Beijing wants to give it up. But if sort of all those chaos, writing uh, uh, to, to, I don't know what, the American government or, the, or, or Nancy Pelosi or something, to sanction Hong Kong. I mean, if this goes on, I, I think the, uh, the, the deep blue amongst the, the pro-exemption camp will get it their way. That, you know, they, some people in Hong Kong want wants one country, to one system. And they have, they have stronger lobby. They have stronger lobbying power in Beijing than the rest of us add together. And this is a risk that we're facing that don't make it worse, make it stabilize for, for make Hong Kong stabilize for a while. And then we return to some sort of normality. Don't to be so stupid to get involved with the fight between China and US. Hong Kong cannot even handle itself. When uh, this guy, uh, uh, this spy in Hong Kong, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 this uh, CIA spy was in. We cannot handle any political fights between U.S. and China. And uh, one of the things we need to convince the the uh, the, the, uh, the Americans to do with the new administration is to leave Hong Kong out of it, because Hong Kong has no way to defend itself when Hong Kong, uh, when China fights with with, with U.S. And just don't get us involved. We were not in that fight. And somehow we got in, involved in that fight and somehow some people inadvertently got involved in it and, and dragged us down to this situation. You know, LegCo has been a, a kind of front line or at least a venue for 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 differing ideas to meet in, in, in Hong Kong. Uh, if that venue is effectively closed... Uh, where is is that going to happen? Because, you know, also with restrictions on press, uh, just on freedom of speech, I know people are scared to say things that they have said in the past. They're scared to repeat that and people are deleting their social media and so on. It seems like debate is shutting down uh, in, in Hong Kong. What, what, what do you think will be the consequences of that? Do you think that... That, well, that feel, will, that, will, will that change people's minds? You know, I mean, give it a genera- give it ten years or something. It, that, that that opposition feeling will just kind of dissipate, or or what? Will it turn nasty, or or what? What's going to happen? We simply hope that this is not going to happen, and people people need to work towards a path uh, or a road that ensure that the freedom of press. And the uh, independent judiciaries continue to exist in Hong Kong, and this is the road. That but there's no way to do that. There's no where if they wanted to do that, you know, well, there's no this, where's this, the channels to do that. This is why I, 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 you know, this is why I said, the, you know, a few sentences ago that we need hope. We don't need more downward spiral, talking ourselves down. We need to work towards. Uh, a path where there we keep the independence judiciary, we keep the relatively, with still the, a very free press when compared to uh, Singapore, for example, and one country to the system, and work towards the continuation continuation of one country to the system after 2047. 
And we keep, if we keep denying, uh, de- denying that problem exists, the main problem is Beijing is, is worried about loyalty. Are you guys working for CIA or are you working for, for China and for Hong Kong? And somehow people don't read history books and they don't understand, you know, that there are operators, uh, covert operators in Hong Kong. It has been the case. Look into history books and fall into the trap of, you know, this fight between China and the and, and USA. Uh, okay, here's an email. This is from Matthew, who says, this is a question for you. Uh, uh, Matthew says, Alan, the group you represent, together with Ronnie Tong, is named Path to Democracy. Uh, I'm unsure if this is an ironic name, like the DAB's Democratic Alliance for the Betterment and Progress of Hong Kong. But assuming you're genuine about helping Hong Kong become democratic, that you and your group must denounce the MPC and Hong Kong government for disqualifying elected legislators, cancelling elections and generally restricting democratic freedoms. Do you? How can we denounce the NPC? They show us proof that you know some the, the disqualified legislator wrote to the uh, U.S. Uh, authority. I, I, I'm not sure is, is which authority to uh, to sanction Hong Kong. I mean, they they are legitimately. I mean, a few programs ago, I didn't know that this happened, and somehow this re- this disqualification reason was not announced by the returning officer. And it was now now announced by uh, by uh, I believe uh, this robot by Maria Tan. So I think this is a legitimate reason for disqualifying them. I hope, just personally, and not the party that they belong to. I mean, I mean, if they, if, if 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 Hong Kong went down the path of disqualifying the relatively moderate uh, Democratic Party. And the civic party, that would be, you know, I think that would be a terrible thing to happen. But I think they, they didn't offer a choice to uh, the MPC. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Alan, thanks for joining. I think you're going to stay with us for our, for our second topic as, as well. Uh, an email from another Alan uh, who says, uh, the email from Peter complaining that Democrats never offered any policies to help Hong Kong were only constructive. That was all they were allowed to do. Uh, only the government is allowed to introduce legislation that impacts spending, which is basically everything. He can believe what he likes, but saying that the expulsion of Democrats is welcomed by the majority is demonstrably false. That's why Carrie cancelled the election. She knows how unpopular she is. The basic issue is that Hong Kong people do not trust the CCP and their proxies. They will never win a fair election, never had a majority, so we will never be allowed a fair election. That comes uh, from uh, Alan. We wanted to turn finally to, as mentioned, uh, to the latest uh, COVID measures, and in particular thinking of the uh, civil service uh, work from home. Rachel Cartland has joined us again. Rachel is back, uh, former Assistant Director of Social Welfare and uh, former uh, host of Backchat. Rachel, good to talk to you again. Lovely to be with you, even if just cyber-wise. Yes, cyber-wise. So uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, cyber-wise work by uh, civil servants uh, for at least the next uh, two weeks. Uh, What do you think of that? And what do you think, how do you think people in Hong Kong feel about that? Uh, Well, I think it's um, what they call a no-brainer as far as infection control goes. We've tried it before and it obviously helps to drive down cases and it helps encourage the private sector to stay at home. But what I think about a little bit is the other side. What does this do for public service? 
the last time there was a, a lockdown, if you like, or restrictions like these, I heard quite a lot of complaints of, from people who weren't getting the basic level of service that they would hope for from government departments. Uh, the immigration department in particular seemed to be at fault, um, not really providing services that people hoped for, not giving clear indications of when things would be restored and how. So I would like to see, although I'm not tremendously hopeful, uh, the government doing a bit better this time and thinking about the other side, the provision of public services and accountability, because although I think the medics have been doing a wonderful job, and it's no surprise that there's a Chong Suk Kwan uh, fan club on uh, social media, I think the other departments have been a bit deficient. We never really get clear messages about what's going on, and we don't get the sense of leadership, a grip from the top uh, that is really running the whole show and willing to front up every single day to tell us what's going on and, more importantly, answer questions. Um, Rachel, I also note that, um, you know, a lot of um, government-funded agencies uh, will also close because their workers uh, work from home, for example, you know, the elderly centres and the youth centres um, are supported by the uh, social welfare department. In, in the earlier waves uh, of the pandemic, um, uh, dementia patients will, will have to be stuck at home. And then, you know, the, these centres could not um, readily change to um, uh, a cyber format of the service. So, so it is actually full service of, or no service. So if we look at it, we've been in this pandemic for about 11 months now. What about the change of policies and the change of services? Do you see that happening to a more? Yeah, I mean, it would be good, wouldn't it, to have this feeling that people are really looking at it with their whole brains, as it were, and being a bit more discerning about what you really can close down and what you can really have to classify as an essential service which we know should go on. I mean, we already know from our children's experience that even for children with, um, like, no no problems at all, Zoom, Zoom learning is not really a very satisfactory substitute. And as you very rightly say, how on earth can services for dementia patients be satisfactorily put online? Uh, we know we, they can't, and we know that caring for families uh, with dementia patients is an incredibly stressful experience. Mm. I, I think, uh, as I recall, uh, I'd, I'd have to check, but didn't the uh, didn't uh, the chief executive say that it would be slightly different this time? That, for example, CSSA payments wouldn't be delayed. Um, that they were think well, they were aware of the. Um, that uh, emergency, perhaps the understanding of what is an emergency service should be a little bit broader uh, this time round. Uh, Alan Long, uh, what, what do you think about this uh, this measure and, and you know overall the the latest in the the way the administration has been reacting? Well, this is a pandemic. It's like fighting a war. <laughs> I mean, it's a war against a virus. I I, I think the, uh, the the Hong Kong ASEA government could have been more resolute without sort of treading on uh, sort of uh, human rights or privacy and uh, that sort of things. From the very beginning, they've been diddling a bit. I think the uh, uh, we cannot avoid those those measures. And But 
as Carrie Lam said in uh, in uh, public, they they have to balance against uh, sort of the uh, economy, economic interests of small operators such as restaurants and so on. And uh, I noticed that they haven't closed badminton court, which is my personal concern. And just <laughs> they, 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 there hasn't been any spread from uh, badminton court, so they didn't close it. So that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, they seem to. Uh, Alan, you're obviously very influential at the highest levels, and yet you take up a few other issues. <laughs> yes. That's the most important. There's the meaning of life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, here's an email from uh, Mr. Pink, uh, who says uh, there's been a lot of talk about the government having a list of designated hotels where returnees have to stay during their requisite 14-day quarantine. Do you know if this list has been compiled? And if so, where I can view it? Uh, I have family members returning to Hong Kong in January and need to know whether the hotel booking I've made for them needs to be cancelled if it's not on the government list. Moreover, assuming it's not on the government list, what happens to the non-refundable deposit which the hotel requires. Any info you or your guest have on this subject would be appreciated. That comes from Mr. Pink. I think a similar point was raised in an email uh, yesterday as well about the uh, the, the hotel uh, arrangements. Uh, do either of you have any particular insight? No, I mean, it's a bit indicative, isn't it, of the lack of, of information that we're getting on other than the purely health-related matters. There is a quarantine support group entirely informal which seems to be where most people have to turn for for information Okay. Uh, one more comment. This is from Jay, uh, who says, What is wrong with these idiots in government? We're back down to two people at restaurant tables, but they cannot make reservations to have kids sat at the same table as well, especially if they are family. This creates a real problem for families and restaurants and also for restaurant uh, owners. And back on the politics, Jay also says, uh, All this could have been avoided if Siwai Lung's government and Carrie's government had listened to the people. That comes from Jay. And Matthew has one more question for you, uh, Alan. Uh, uh, Matthew says uh, in his you responded to his earlier email Matthew says so according to path to democracy disqualifying elected legislators is a step along the path to democracy welcome to the animal farm 10 minutes of double talk who is the CIA sp spy in Hong Kong that Alan referenced Alan what's the name I, I could only refer him to a book called on the CIA question I can only refer to him to a book for Hong Kong and the Cold War. This is public information. The Anglo-American Relationships, 1949-57, by Mark Chiquan. This is documented history that uh, uh, a, a book written by, uh, published by Oxford, that this has been happening. I mean, uh, we cannot look at things from a narrow perspective. This is, uh, we have to look at history, wider perspectives, and, you know, where, where we came from and where we are moving towards. Before sort of opinion pointing uh, fingers, I, I know we're not electable. I know we're, we're not moving towards that direction. That uh, we know that my friend Andrew, Andrew uh, Chu wouldn't give votes to us, and we won't get votes from uh, Chinese liaison office. We're, we're not, we're a think tank. We observe things, and uh, we are we are even allowed different opinions. Like I can I can be very critical of of, uh, of the Ronnie Tong in private and in public, and we do allow this sort of of uh, of, uh, of uh, liberal way of of, of of thinking and so on. And we're not pushing towards uh, towards, towards uh, uh, popular politics. You know, we're just trying to 
figure out way figure out a way to move forward. And if he doesn't like it, you know, then we 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 we, we know that we're labeled. That we can there's nothing we can do about it until we figure out figure out a way of sort of uh, communicating what we really want. We haven't done that yet. Okay, uh, and sorry, I'm just curious about the CIA. You you were saying you were referring to somebody recently. No, uh, this is a book written in. Okay, uh, so you, when you're talking about the CIA in Hong Kong, you were talking about something in the fifties or something. It has been operating since '49 to '57, and I assume that this is continuing to happen. To, to, to happen. Okay, you didn't have I a particular documented history. Did you have a particular person in mind? It, when you were referred to, you were, you were searching for a name earlier. You uh, a name of what? Uh, you were talking about Snowden. A, a, I'm sorry, Snowden. Okay. Right. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, well, well uh, uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us, uh, Alan Lund, Governor of the Path of Democracy. Rachel Cartland, thank you very much indeed, former Assistant Director of uh, Social Welfare. And uh, many thanks for your all your uh, emails. Uh, bumper crop today. All very thoughtful. Thank you very much indeed uh, for those. Ada, thank you very much. Here's the weather before we go. It's going to be fine and dry today. Cool this morning with temperatures up to about 23 degrees during the day and the outlook cool in the morning and at night for the rest of the week. Fine and dry during the day. 18 Celsius, humidities at uh, relative humidity, 66%. Digital TV broadcasting has been fully implemented. Analog TV sets can't receive free TV channels anymore. If you have one, you must add a set-top box or switch to a digital TV set. Eligible households in need can apply for the Community Care Fund Digital Television Assistance Program on or before July 15, 2021. Call 2922-9230 to learn more. Remember to remind your relatives and friends. 934, the news now with Samantha Butler. The Secretary for Health, Sophia Chan, has defended the government's decision not to close venues such as gyms and beauty salons as it tightens anti-epidemic measures from tomorrow. She said the government was taking a more targeted approach, citing a study from the Chinese university that said previous waves of coronavirus infections in Hong Kong resulted from people not wearing masks and from the virus spreading in entertainment premises. Civil Service Minister Patrick Nip says people will question if civil servants should keep their jobs if they refuse to swear allegiance to the SAR and uphold the basic law. He said people would doubt whether those who don't sign the declaration can meet the basic requirements for civil service. And the destruction of the Amazon rainforest in Brazil has reached its highest level in more than a decade. According to satellite data collected by the country's space agency, more than 11,000 square kilometres were destroyed in the year to July. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer.